Hello and welcome to This is a Token with Alex Monroe, the podcast that celebrates all things jewellery. I've spent half a lifetime designing and making jewellery, but what really interests me is what it means to other people. This is a podcast where we ask our guest about the jewellery they cherish most of all. We'll explore the moving, fascinating and often quite surprising stories connected to each piece and those emotional bonds that we just can't do without. My guest today is the jewellery designer Rosie Wolfenden. Rosie co-founded Tatty Divine back in 1999 with her great friend Harriet Vine. If you're not familiar with the brand, then you should look them up. It's original, playful, colourful and really fun. I'm sure you'll love it. As well as co-designing all their collections, Rosie and Harriet drive all the business operations and manage the brand. They have a growing team over several locations and they do all their manufacturing here in the UK. Rosie's passionate about promoting entrepreneurship and creativity, especially in women. And in 2013, she was awarded an MBE for services to the fashion industry. But also, and just as important to me, Rosie's a bit of a style icon and she wears the most brilliant jewellery. So I'm super excited to see what she's brought along today for us to look at. Rosie, thank you very much for being a guest and welcome to This Is A Token. Thank you for inviting me on. It's very nice to be here. Well, I feel particularly privileged to get you on today because it is like completely super chaotic for you at the moment, right? Well, it is and it isn't, but isn't it always? It's all good. You're right. You're absolutely right. At work, we always kind of go, oh my God, you know, what a week, what a month, what a year. But then we, we kind of go, yeah, every week, month, year, we yeah. say, oh my gosh, it's, you know, coronavirus, running a business and moving house. Is, <laughs> thank you so much for giving no, up. No, pleasure. Answer. Absolute pleasure. <laughs> So you've moved, tell us about the move and why. Well, I moved to London from the Isle of Wight when I was 17 and I went to art school. And when COVID hit, we actually, we got this little place down on on the Isle of Wight a couple of years ago. We just came here for lockdown. And then we spent the whole summer here. And because all operations basically moved online in terms of running a business, it was really super doable. And I guess it's been a dream to come back here one day, but it always felt impossible. I've got two small boys. So the fresh air and the running around and the beach and nature is just, they just love it. And I love it. I feel kind of like I've come home. But I mean, I'll be up in London. Once the virus has passed, I'll be up in London, you know, weekly. The realisation that actually you can do these things online and it sort of normalised it and made it possible. So for me, like there's some real positives that have come out of the last year. Obviously, it's been absolutely horrific for so many people, but I count myself as being so far very lucky and have found an opportunity within it. You know, I've found that too, is there have been huge challenges and it's been really difficult for a lot of people. But there are also things that we can take away from this and learn how to do things a little bit better. It's not just in how we work, but like you're obviously making a lifestyle change, which is Mm. a great kind of push for you to do that. But I found just on a smaller level that when we walk the dogs in the morning, as we walk down to the park, we tend to sort of say hello to people we see and things. Mm. There are lots of nice little bits of specialness that you can sort of pull out that sort of come out from all the problems that we've had yeah absolutely. Um, but work-wise so we have a similarity because we're both really passionate and keen about 
making things in the UK, although it's not necessarily the UK, I just like making things. So I like being involved in the making <laughs> process. So obviously yeah. I, I have making near me because not only is it great fun, but it also allows you to be super creative and super spontaneous and being involved in the making process seems to me to be part of the design process almost mm-hmm. two things go hand in hand so I'm presuming that your making is still going on it's been a really interesting one so we've got a studio in Kent where we've got a small team they're all women and they make all the jewelry going back to manufacturing in the UK I guess yes you know for the economy ethically etc it's all great but for us it was also an immediacy we created a production process and technique which was immediate you could literally draw something and have it in your hand in about 10 minutes which you know if you're manufacturing abroad make that's 10 weeks basically so for us it's we always wanted it to wear it now (laughs) I want it now so yes that all happens in Kent and day one of lockdown as it were back in March we spoke to the team and we made the space incredibly COVID safe and three people continued to go into that space we've got two big units one's the warehouse the fulfillment space one's the making space the managers went in and kept things running and dispatching and we literally posted out making kits to all of the team so everyone just carried on making at home so we had um, someone cutting in the space and somebody making packs in the space and sending them all out to the makers and they've been amazing absolutely amazing and everyone else has been working from home you know they're so oh I just take my hat off to them it is brilliant isn't it I think we're in a very similar situation are we quite unique I think so Alex (laughs) I mean I think so there are I mean I think Jewelry making is a is one of those crafts which can bridge, you know, from art to commerciality. Like it's yeah. something people want to wear and own, and it's something that people like to make. You know, I think e-commerce being such a huge growing thing, you know, jewelry is easy to post, isn't it? It's easy yeah. to buy and That's post. Been really lucky. You know, you're talking about how it can bridge so many different areas. Right from when I was at art school, I was interested in fashion, and that was slightly sort of frowned upon. Fashion itself as a discipline Mm. has long been highly respected in art schools. But being a sort of fashion jeweller, I still think there was an element of it being something that you pick up casually by the checkout at Marks and Spencer's (laughs) on your way up, having bought some clothes. A sort of afterthought. And I was was like, no. And um, the big thing that really got me was... Back in the 80s, coming to London and seeing kind of people on the King's Road, people out and about, and how they accessorised, how they accessorised themselves. And they were mm. sort of, you know, wearing wearing safety pins and big yeah. chains and crucifixes. And it's like, wow, this jewellery is so important yeah. part of fashion that I thought it was a, a super important discipline in itself. But I've had a bit of a battle uh, you guys have obviously been very right from the start. It was it was all about fashion. It's a funny one because so Harriet and I met at Chelsea School of Art, which was on the King's Road. So it's funny to hear you talk about yeah. the King's Road because we were the scruffy art students, you know, in dungarees and splattered in paint. And this was the mid to late nineties. And Sloan Street, the King's Road, were you know it was very very smart. But we really liked how we stood out, and we really liked that we were expressing ourselves, I guess, and we were quite clear on who we were and what we were but when we graduated from Chelsea you know we were doing painting we were doing fine art and I mean it was an amazing experience there because we were taught by the best tutors who were winning the Turner Prize and there was just this very very innate desire to become artists and to Mm. to be our own boss we didn't want to get a job we were living together and we were just going out going to parties all the time making our clothes we were just exploring the world really and we just started 
started making stuff, you know, literally finding stuff in charity shops and turning them into necklaces or things around our heads or and actually we went into the market store literally to make some money while we worked out how to become artists mm. and then it just overtook us but the desire that was always there to look different to express ourselves to have some way to communicate to the world who we were when I was talking about fashion that's what I meant there was things that you wear to try and express and explore mm. who you are and how you present yourself to the world really yeah and I think for me at art school there was, there was a little bit of a battle against what you might call sort of um gallery sort of jewelry where I felt it was quite elitist and a very yeah a very small lots of people would go in and all talk very intellectually about these conceptual <laughs> pieces and I was like no I, I really liked yeah, really like what Madonna was doing or what a kind of rap singer was doing with their jewellery. And anyway, yeah. yeah, cool. Do you think we should jump in with yeah. your first piece of jewellery? about the the black onyx because yes because I guess that explains why you're where you are and yeah in many many ways yeah so it's a set of black onyx um and there's a ring earrings bracelet necklace with an a, a detachable detachable crucifix yeah the it's, crucifix is detachable is yes, it yes it's wow, great. insane so it's beautiful. It has like this little ringy clasp wow. that detaches it from there. I love adaptable jewellery. That's yeah. so cool. It's so cool. So this belonged to my granny, who was a huge influence on, on my life. And unwittingly, I'm very like her. <laughs> I'm told all the time. <laughs> she, was a, she was huge, larger than life. She moved to the Isle of Wight in 1954 and bought this beautiful Regency house in Bonchurch and made it into a hotel. But she didn't just make it into a hotel. She literally made everything. So every curtain, lampshade, carpets some, in some cases, patchwork quilts, the works. She just made it all. So she was a real maker. Like she just made, made, made. But she always wore huge pieces of jewellery. Like jewellery was, she was always covered in rings, big necklaces, and this is one I'm lucky enough to have. And it was very sad. On the day of her funeral, her house was broken into and they took the jewellery box. So all the jewellery went. But I think this was still in her possessions. I think maybe she'd been wearing this in the hospital. And she she was really involved in the church, but she didn't find the church until she was in her late 60s. So she always said she was agnostic. She was quite anarchic. Yeah. And I realised when I look at her and then my dad and then myself, and we all have this like anarchic streak where we're like... So she's your paternal grandmother? Yeah, she's my paternal grandmother. I was chatting to my aunt to find out because she gave me this set. And yeah. I was like, where did it come from? And yeah. she said that her, her father, Wolfie, my grandpa, who I never met, would constantly be in antique shops and junk shops and looking for jewellery for granny and when I think that my dad was the same he'd come I remember him coming home one day with like a Roman vase that he'd he'd found in a junk shop and was 50 quid and my mum was just like we don't need any more stuff stop it and you know Harriet and I are absolute magpies just the greatest pleasure in life is just finding treasure whether it's in a car boot sale on a beach 
wherever it might be, value aside, it's just finding something that possibly no one else in the world has got, something that tells a story, something that says something about you, something that helps you say who you are and, and all of those things. And If you're anything like me then, because I'm a terrible, you know, like I can't go out for a walk without. <laughs> if you look at my, for example, my, my mobile phone, I'll show you the back of my mobile phone where, feathers where just and leaves. And Crap. Yeah, that's me, basically. So we can't move house. I've been through quite a lot in the last year because firstly, we had Tatty Divine had its 20th birthday. So we mm. had um, the Crafts Council gave us a touring exhibition, which actually reopens very soon in, in 2021 Visual Arts in Scunthorpe. But going through all our stuff and it was a real cleansing process because we did actually throw away quite a lot of stuff but now I've moved house as well I haven't actually dealt with the cupboard full of like 20 years of clothes basically yeah Yeah. and it's just like oh my god (laughs) I kind of want to know about how you started but for me I started just because I graduated I needed to earn some money so I was sort of making likewise and it was quite a while before I realized that I ought to be saving things or recording them you know I'm just making smell so how was that we're naturally hoarders so we kept everything I had every like gig ticket every everything ever that has ever gone into my hands is it was in a box somewhere but in terms of the jewellery we didn't really start properly archiving it till probably about seven years in yeah so but we've got pieces from the beginning but again they were quite transient in a way they weren't necessarily made to last forever or you know they were yeah they weren't precious but they were, and um, you know, there's some really, really beautiful, intricately made things from the so, early days. So basically, if anyone out there has a really early tatty divine, <laughs> it would be lovely. They could they can get in touch with us on on the website. There's a there's a kind of a feedback thing. So send any right. pictures of your really early <laughs> tatty divine, and we'd I'd love to see them anyway. So I'm just going back to jewelry from your from your grandmother and uh, growing growing up in Isle of Wight. And leaving on the ferry, coming up to London and going to art school, which must have just been the best thing in the world. Best thing ever. (laughs) And then meeting Harriet and just the two of you taking it on the world and looking fantastic and expressing yourselves and having loads of fun. And then you graduate and then you kind of need to pay a bit of rent and stuff. So you start making jewelry. I imagine it didn't really start out as a business. It just started out as you making stuff. I mean, it started because Harriet um, and her flatmates had come across just while we were finishing our dissertations. So towards the end of the last year, stumbled across all these black bags full of leather, leather sample books from an upholstery shop. And they were literally being chucked away. So they dragged them home again can't pass a skip or a bin or yeah. anything without like diving into it and that's sort of how we were trained at art school it's just like found objects you know and that is always found objects have always been a big thing in my life as it is in yours I'm sure because you oh. can't help but find things yeah so we made them into leather cuffs and Harriet can make anything her mother was a couture seamstress her dad is a carpenter they can make anything as a family they are off the chart amazing right. and so her dad helped her to make this sort of like an arrowhead fastening on this strip of leather so and a slit to the other end so you mm. could pull it through and it would just mm. stay on your wrist but then we started embellishing them and you know so we graduated in what June '99, and our first market stall was July the 13th '99. Mm-hmm. We literally just went, let's do a market stall, and then we did Portobello, and then we did Spitalfields. And by Christmas '99, we we had to 
stop because we were wholesaling to Harvey Nichols and Whistles and all these other amazing shops. And um, we were, you know, suddenly like, oh gosh, what's wholesale? What's this? What's that? How does this work? So we had a very, very, you know, in at the deep end. (laughs) That sounds a bit like me because the problem I have now, because I love, absolutely love teaching and trying to share some of the, my experiences with, you know, with young people who are starting up. But one of the big problems I have is that, you know, when they, when they say, well, how did you do it? I have to kind of say, well, I don't really know. It was just luck. You know, I, I, get, I, guess, I guess luck and, and persistence. Yeah, um, and you follow your heart and you follow yeah. your gut and you follow your mind and you just take risks and you trust trust that all will be well. And thank heavens you did, because now you guys are one of my favourite jewellers. So I, so all my oh. family have pieces of yours. There aren't many <laughs> jewellers that I buy um, jewellery from, but you're yeah. not one of the top. That's of. what's so funny about you asking me to you know look at jewelry that means something to me because I've only ever really worn Tati Divine I don't think I've ever seen you not wearing a piece of Tati Divine jewelry no. so I, I was expecting you know that that is who you are you you make your jewelry for yourself to wear I guess yeah that's always been the thing so Harriet and I have always made what we want to wear yeah. and it's quite an interesting one because we talk a lot about originality and and the importance of it but our jewelry has always been original by default because we've never ever wanted to wear anything that anyone else would wear, which is a bit of a weird one in terms of making jewelry for other people to wear. But yeah, our number one objective when we left art school was to look very unique. So we'd make things that we felt didn't exist. And we've always wanted to make things that don't yet exist. Yeah. Um, but we're also a big fan of William Morris and, you know, not to make anything that is not useful or beautiful. So yeah. there is a sense that it must have a purpose. It isn't just for show. And that's why actually quite recently our sort of more politically aligned pieces have been quite interesting. That's been really yeah. like a big highlight for me is making jewellery, I guess, in the vein of the suffragettes who made jewellery. You know, jewellery over time has been a political statement. I mean, thinking about it back in the 90s, it was a political statement to say you didn't want to look like anyone else because the world was homogenising. Globalisation was happening. And suddenly, it didn't matter what city in the world you went to, everyone looked the same. And I think that's politically where Harriet and I were like, we don't want to look like everyone else. Totally, totally. And I think that's what I was talking about when I first came to London um, and there were sort of punk rockers on the on the King's Road and things. Mm. And, um, you know, the wearing of toilet chains with a, with something <laughs> you found on it or safety pins and that yeah. kind of thing was really what inspired me. And it was a self-expression. And I think that was, you know, take any movement like the punk movement. It was a, fa- a movement in fashion, but it was actually based as a sort of vaguely political kind of mm. statement wasn't it yeah and I, I particularly love I mean there are so many different aspects of jewelry that I love but I really love kind of like big heavy wrappers jewelry and the big rings and stuff and again I, I just see so much significance in that yeah and yeah there are just so many different and interesting angles on 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 jewelry and I think it is a form of expression or, or it can be a form of expression whether you're wearing a religious motif to express your beliefs or whether you're wearing a wedding ring to exp- which kind of expresses the fact that you're getting you're married, married. <laughs> um, or, a wedding ring was like literally the most bizarre point in my life because having to choose a piece of jewelry to symbolize marriage Yet, having not not being a very conventional person, I never thought I'd get married. It wasn't really a thing. When my husband asked me, I was like, ah, what? 
when was when when did you get married we got married well good question uh <laughs> 20, it was 2011 so it would be 10 years this year and yeah I was like really really surprised I'm quite polite so I'm quite I was like okay well if he really wants to marry me I better marry him to make him happy you know Brilliant. um which is ridiculous but anyway, yeah, coming back, we were in Norfolk. We went on holiday in Norfolk. And um, I was like, oh, my God, how on earth do I choose? Like, he hadn't bought an engagement ring because he was terrified of buying me a piece of jewellery because I don't, you know, I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah I to buy. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, God, I, there's too much symbolism here. There's too much pressure. There's too much. I don't know what to make of this. So we, we were driving back to where we were staying and I spotted, like, a sign saying basically tabletop sale. Mm. <laughs> so mm. we went in and there was a guy who just had like a thing of rings and there was like this art deco gold ring with little diamonds so I was like should mm. we get that and he didn't have any money so I wrote a check and bought that and that was my engagement ring but then when it came to the wedding band I was like this is really hard I'm not a fan of silver or platinum particularly I wear gold more than anything so I didn't I wanted a gold ring but I didn't know what and on my sort of trails around antique shops and things I found a blank signet ring Mm. So this is piece number two that, that we're going to yeah, hear, which so, is great. So, so you found... I found a blank signet ring and I was like, ooh, that's a nice thing. Because what listeners won't necessarily know is that my real name is Alice. And we should talk yeah. about... Yeah, tell me about that. I was like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, yeah, it's an interesting one. My, my granny, who I worship, mm. was she was half Belgian. So she was Je- Jeanette Alice Alice Colinvo. Mm-hmm. And she was named after her aunt who was called Alice and um, Alice was she was really friendly with some quite significant painters she was part of like an art scene she actually lived in Stoke Newington which I only realized recently because that's where I lived in London total coincidence and all the rest of it but she was she's always been this enigma and um, so my parents called me Alice Mm. and they called me Alice Rose and I think when they got me home my mum my was like, she has got the rosiest cheeks. I just want to call her Rosie. I've had pink cheeks my entire life. Um, <laughs> always just had pink cheeks. I just call, got called Rosie. But, um, you know, everything's in the name of Alice. My bank, my passport, everything. And it was weird. So when I got married, I was told, actually, and this is how archaic and patriotic life is a woman can change you can change your name um you're changing your surname I could have become Rosie Collins which is Mm. my husband's surname I kept Wolfenden for work because I was already established as as Mm. that name um but then I just he's Anthony Collins and I just when I found this blank signet ring I was like well we're both AC right so let's why don't we get it engraved with an AC so I I designed the I drew the letters a little monogram yeah and then we, then we proceeded to spend about three months finding a blank signet ring that would fit his finger, <laughs> which we did. And I found that in Alfie's Antique Market by Edgware Road. Brilliant. Um, he's yeah. got a, a similar signet ring. He's got exactly the not, same. The reason I like that signet ring is it's kind of slightly old school. It's not too chunky and high, is it? No, it's um, really delicate. Yeah. And it's a um, circular on the top and it's beautiful um, little monogram you've got there. Thanks. So his is bigger. Yeah. But but more or less the same. Um, Brilliant. Cute. So that's your wedding ring. That's my wedding ring. And um, although we produce, we, we make jewellery and we make jewellery to last forever now. That's very much our thing. It is, yeah. It's timeless and it's forever. And I, I love wearing things that already exist that I've found rather than, you know. 
So yeah, that that's my wedding ring. And, and I, I wear it every most days with this band that we made with Rob Ryan. Well, right, exactly. So this is this is we're gonna call this piece number three. And, and okay. And we we both absolutely love Rob Ryan, right? Mm. Well, everyone loves Rob Ryan. Um, <laughs> Rob Ryan, for for my listener who may not know, is this amazing. I guess he started out as a sort of cutout artist where he would cut out by hand from paper and do these amazingly mm. wistful, sometimes romantic and poignant artworks. There was a time anyway when, when he had this lovely shop called um, um Town. Town, yeah. and you could buy mugs and tea towels and <laughs> you can and still anything. buy all those things online by the way yeah. dear so viewers he, <laughs> such a nice place and, and funnily enough his wife oh, taught my connie at <gasps> uh at a nursery a pre- really <laughs> and lorna is one of the nicest people in, in the world she's, she's gorgeous isn't she and inspires rob you know profoundly yeah rob went to the royal college and, and he did painting i believe but um we met him in 2000 yeah we were looking for a printer we were making leather belts and we were printing yeah. like tape measures on them and keyboards on them and things like that and a friend of a friend was just like oh you should just go to rob he's amazing so went to rob and he screen printed our leather belts and he was like oh i've never screen printed leather before but we'll give it a go i love his printing room he's got these great presses and the smell yeah, of the inks and just the, and the old cobbled floor and things it's just a wonderful place to i think i think he started paper cutting around 2001 2002 but yeah the thing with rob is that firstly he's a genius and a, the, one of the nicest people in the world but secondly he's such a wordsmith and and yeah. you know he can say things so beautifully and with such clarity without even necessarily saying them yeah. and we've actually collaborated with him I think maybe three times now in the early days in our Brick Lane store we, we used to have exhibitions so he had a couple of exhibitions in Brick Lane as well but it, this piece was made in 2013 and we always struggled to replicate paper in perspex it's just too fine mm. too thin mm. so we thought well let's have a go at using gold and we worked with um company in Hatton Gardens it's gold plated just to describe this is a bangle this is a bangle it's kind of chunky um it's like a like a little section of sort of big piping or something you know so it's it's sort of rectangular in section the writing raised on the outside and on the inside you'll have to have a look at the the picture on the website on the the outside it says can I share everything that lives inside my head and heart with you alone forever And then on the inside, it says all of the secret, silly dreams and fancies I have never shared with anyone. So just love the the secrecy of the secret message and yeah, the sentiment, I guess. But we it was an interesting process because we actually made everything in acrylic in fine, thin acrylic Mm. and etched in all the words and then used the acrylic as the the master for the mold. Yeah, yeah, for the mold. So it's a great process. So yeah, so, they actually used the acrylic as the wax. So the so, metal melted away the acrylic. Wow. Okay, we need to talk about this because that's a, that's a really <laughs> interesting process. So instead yeah. of being lost wax, it would have been lost acrylic casting. Yeah. <laughs> I need to think about that because that's a, that's a really interesting process. Anyway, yeah, it was a really, it was, and it was a brilliant way to obviously bring our yeah our processes together. Harriet sort of headed that up really, yeah. and made that all happen it's slightly slightly bashed i'd say (laughs) it's not not perfect it's not engineeringly round is it no but it wasn't but it was like meant to look like hand cut paper so it was intentionally um see if i can find a surface intentionally not flat nice so that it kind of 
had wibbly. a sense of, of paper about it. A little bit wibbly, a little bit wobbly. That's a little bit wobbly and wobbly. But yeah. And do you wear that all the time? Most days, yeah. Wow. Maybe not in lockdown. I mean, you know. <laughs> generally in life. Is that a wedding piece as well? Or, or is that just no, a... No, but yeah. I just, I, I, I think it sits quite nicely with my ring. So, yeah, it does. Yeah. Oh, that's so super. <laughs> my token of convention. Yeah, you've actually got some metal, uh, some metal yeah. to it. <laughs> I mean, I was almost imagining that your wedding ring would be, would be a sort of antique... Do you get antique, you know, uh, uh, plastic, like all the bangles you can like get? Like yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess there's just something lovely about gold, isn't there? If, if you're going to wear it every day and it, it sort of becomes part of your your hand. and it's a, it's a problem because we very much want to make jewellery that, that normal people like us can afford to buy, you know, and, yeah. and wear because we want to be able to share it with as many people as possible. But it is lovely, like working with, a, with 18 karat gold and some... Yeah. Big old sparkly diamonds. And yeah. We just done this great ring, actually, that's so gorgeous. That was, a, that was an ocean diamond, which is, you know, someone free dive, free dove into the wow. ocean and picks them out. And it's a it's a rough sort of shape that isn't all that sparkly, but it's a gorgeous ring. So, but what I'm saying is working with those gorgeous materials is fun. And I've got to admit, <laughs> when I see a big old Bobby Dazzler, I'm, I'm like, oh my God. But but it isn't really where my heart lies insofar as my creativity because I you know yeah. it's nice to get make things that people other people like us can enjoy and wear yeah, as well. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, we kind of quite quite nice because we dip our toe in both camps, which is quite you know. Yeah, absolutely. All right. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> So I love that bangle. There are a lot of sort of parallels between our two businesses because I've collaborated with Rob um, before. We, we did a lovely Christmas project and the money, I can't remember where the money went, but for some really nice charity that, that Rob was interested in. And we wrote a little book and Rob illustrated it. And then each day we revealed a new piece. It might be a piece of Rob's or ours. And it was, he's really fun to work with and, and, and such a nice bloke and always does things for the right reasons. Shall we um, move on to another piece of jewellery? I mean, when it came to Tatty Divine, it, it's... I've got, got to show I've us just... a piece of Tatty Divine because we love it. <laughs> I've got so many favourites, but I'll put, I'll put on my parakeet because yeah. it's just so fun and celebratory and um, we've done these in so many different colors over the years we did a collection in 2012 that was very Frida Kahlo inspired mm. as you know green parakeets and her paintings mm. but the thing I love about this necklace is and I'll pop it on it's just the way it hangs I think one thing I love about what Harriet and I have done with jewelry is firstly it's huge and it's a statement but secondly the articulation of the pieces gives it such movement yeah and it's, it's an interesting one because, because we discovered laser cutting and that was a discovery in itself. Um, that took a, a trip to New York to, to find that back in 2001. With laser cutting, your restrictions are that it's 2D. Mm. And even though we now obviously have the technology where we could go 3D, mm. I just love the, the flatness of it. Mm. Because it it's like a sort of 
it's a restrictive medium, isn't it? And therefore you really push the boundaries within that that medium. Yeah. But yeah, the this this piece, it's just, you know, if you wear it, people just just love you know, you get comments. It's fantastic. I mean, it's, you can't really wear our jewelry without being commented on. So just to describe it, it's a green parakeet and it covers the the full front of your upper body chest. And the wings are pieces that are on the chain. So as the chain comes up from the parakeet, the wings kind of spread. So it almost looks like it's just taking off. Or, yeah, or, it yeah, but it's moving as well. So And there's glitter and organic. there's a mirror. It has real movement because, you know, large necklaces can be quite restrictive sometimes. But yeah. I love this piece. And, and another piece I love, which I don't have with me because... As I've said, a lot of my jewellery is in storage at the moment. The giant lobster is another favourite because when you wear it and when you talk, the claws, which are at the top of the chain, they move. Yes. So as you sort of gesticulate or talk, you know, the lobster's talking with you. And we love lobsters because, well, we love nature. We love the sea, et cetera, et cetera. But also, you know, lobsters mate for life. And there's just something really fabulous about a lobster, I th- isn't there? I think it's lovely because that the parakeet was sort of waving it. As you were describing him, you were <laughs> your hands and the parakeet was sort of waving his wings in, in, i wrote a book about jewelry making not yeah. a technical book about the experience of jewelry making yeah and um one of the best moments for me was was seeing a young woman on the tube and she looked like she was on a kind of first date and you could tell that she'd sort of spent the evening getting ready and getting everything just right and she'd obviously put a, a necklace of mine on very last thing just as the little pinpoint to, to just finish her look and, and make her feel right. Yours is actually the full trumpet fanfare. Your jewelry. <laughs> yeah, I saw the outfit. It's 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 all about jewelry. But that's the brilliant thing. You can just wear very plain clothes if you want. I know it's so. And then the piece of jewelry just brings everything to life. And I think that's why I love your work so much, and why I'm slightly sort of in awe and envious because it's such a statement it's so bold and brave and flamboyant yeah. and um because i've made a parakeet and and i've made a lobster as well but <laughs> i sort of spend the day at my workbench and i work away with my files and my saw and um you know i make the odd cup of tea and then it and it gets dark and at the end of the day i've, I've got this really <laughs> cute little thing that's about nine millimeters tall in front of me. it's become quite introverted and obviously, when when you and Harriet work, it, it explodes into <laughs> extrovert. So it's so beautiful because I feel very much in awe that you can do that. And also, what's so wonderful is different people can start from the same point. And if yeah. you just follow your personality, you're going to have these immensely different results, which yeah. is what kind of humanity and, and life is all about, isn't it? It's that celebrating that difference and things. Because for us as well, like the material always can quite often dictate the piece and yeah. um like I love this oh. beetle approach unusually it has a curve to it um, yeah so I suppose let me think back when we started really curving things I guess it's probably around 2014 15 mm. we started realizing we could actually mm. manipulate the acrylic not to be flat mm. um so this beetle brooch has an emerald green body and it has iridescent wings which are curved over the body and head pinned onto the back I love this piece. I mean, Harriet and I are both massive fans of nature and the wonders of nature. And it's a constant source of reference and inspiration. But, you know, just I guess because, you know, they're alive. It's just and I I love also like jewellery. You know, there's so much so many references to insects in jewellery, in the history of jewellery, dating way, 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 way back. 
So it feels like a sort of traditional reference point, but with a very, you know, modern twist, I suppose. I think there's there's so much room for discussion and study because, again, my Beatles have been some of my favourite pieces. Yeah. Everything you said there is exactly the same as what I'm feeling and thinking, but the end results are so, so different. different. And I just think that's so so interesting and fascinating. And and I need another another podcast series, and we'll, we'll we can discuss all that. <laughs> the history of jewelry. <laughs> Absolutely. Super. Well, they are really nice pieces. We're going to put photographs of all the pieces on the website. Can I ask what is up next for you? Because we've talked about some of the similarities in our work. And yeah. I think we're, we're both working on the same project for the V&A at the moment, which is going yes. to be a fun thing, isn't it? Yes. So, so um, excited about that. Yeah, we had the, a phone call about probably a year ago from the V&A. And that was, you know, Harriet and I, we, well, obviously we love the V&A. Who doesn't? Harriet and I actually worked there when we were at college. Wow. We were a waitress at the V&A. And we would, <laughs> we'd be the ones handing out the canapes at the private views <laughs> at nighttime. But then it was a bit like night at the museum. Once everyone had gone, we'd be pushing trolleys down the corridors of the V&A and just looking, having the space and time just to look at things. So, yeah, that's quite funny. But when the V&A called just to say, look, we're doing this exhibition on Alice in Wonderland and I my ears pricked up massive Alice in Wonderland fan probably because my name's Alice you do I mean I'm obsessed by collecting initials and things but names are really important and I think Alice has always been a big part of my life I love Alice in Wonderland she's so I don't know she doesn't wait for permission does she she says what she thinks she's got it going on love her I I think there's so much because also it's it's very much it's very much nature-based as well the the book But also there's this wonderful fantasy sort of surrealism about it. Mm. And um, actually talking to Rob Ryan, one of the stories that he loved was the, the story about the cobbler. And when he goes to bed, the little mice come and make shoes in the night. What got it for him was the fact that these flat sheets of le- leather could be cut into shapes and put together. And they would sort of come to life and would become three-dimensional objects. And mm. I think you've talked about that slightly with your work, because essentially, you know, you you start off with a flat sheet of perspex and then the end result is this amazing flying parakeet that's sort of flapping its wings on your chest you know that's it's so lively and the, the beetle is so organic and so lively so there is a fantastic element mm. of transformation and fantasy in in your jewelry yeah. as well so yeah so vna um, contacted us as well so we've been doing some work on it and it's just like you can't say no to something like that can you no it's, it's like magic words vna alice in wonderland uh, jewelry <laughs> Yes. So we've, yeah, so we've created a collection that will launch, as I'm sure yours will, probably the beginning of April. We'll put all the links on the website and um, so that everyone can see. I'm so excited to see what you've done. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, I can. Do you want me to share with you a little hint? At... If there's any little little treats that we can share, we'll put them on the website too. Okay. On, on this page, but yeah, any any little hints you've got? Be so... Well, I mean, there's two statement pieces which are I just love, and all I'll say is one talks about painting the roses red and one talks about having a tea party around your neck so yeah I'll leave it there but really really fun (laughs) wait that's so exciting so obviously that's a new thing what what else you're moving house whole new life you've got I'm very jealous because one of my favourite little walks is, is on that south coast of the Isle of Wight I just think it's a beautiful magic place it is magic and I I feel 
so lucky to be here and this morning because I've got two small boys and my husband's a key worker so they are going to school and I drive them just a mile down the road or so the sea I was looking at the sea this morning I was like oh my god I I like look at a Turner painting every day the shafts of sunlight hitting that sea and there's a real peace and a real I'm just I'm ready for it I'm ready for it. Nature can work its magic. I'm going to look out for some subtle changes in in your design, (laughs) sort of Turner-esque, slightly sort of big skies and the big seas but yeah this little bit of coastline is very special it's an area of outstanding natural beauty but it's very special and it's yeah it's great and and work is it just onwards and upwards Um, yeah work's very busy just in talks with people about 2022 currently um got lots of lovely collaborations coming up this year um lots of lovely jewellery as ever and um, lots more on the sort of um ethical and political side of things because they're always really fun aren't they um, yeah so i mean we launched a collection in january raising money for young women's trust which yeah. is an amazing charity and actually we, we started working with them last year when covid hit because they they launched an emergency fund which was amazing it just literally put money in the pockets of women and young girls that couldn't pay the rent couldn't feed their children you know and I, what I like is when, when you feel like you can contribute and get results, as it were, you know, you can actually see where the money's going. We've been working with Fawcett Society for the last few years as well. And they are, you know, they basically campaign for equality, mostly within, you know, gender equality. But yeah, they're areas that we're very passionate about. The lovely thing is that you're a great example of a super successful company that is also really taking their social responsibilities seriously and the two things actually go hand in hand and on the one hand you do get companies who are slightly cynical who kind of pay a nod to these sort of things but they're doing it for a sort of marketing reason but there are companies like yours who genuinely you know the patriarchy does drive us slightly mad yes the inequalities in life drive us mad and you know the trajectory is 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 a positive one and and changes are happening and i and with every generation it's amazes me how much change is happening and and it's all really exciting but yeah Harriet and I both always wanted to be our own boss and and work within our own boundaries I suppose but yeah the the Fawcett Society do amazing work and I mean last when did it all really kick off that 2018 year of the woman it was 100 years since uh, the suffragettes you know did their magic and the statue in Parliament Square of Millicent Fawcett which was the first statue of a woman in Parliament Square and the first statue by a woman so um, the campaigner Caroline Creator Perez was jogging through Parliament Square one day and was like why are there no women here started campaigning and then City of London basically commissioned Gillian Waring to create the mm. statue. And it's a statue of Millicent Fawcett, mm. who was the suffragist who petitioned to get women the vote. But she's holding a banner that says courage calls for courage everywhere. And, and you know, there's such good words to live by. You have a lovely necklace with those words. Yeah, so we made the necklace yeah. of that banner with Gillian Waring's permission through the City of London and raising money for the Fawcett Society. So that's on our website. I haven't got one with me here. I don't know why, because I usually have it with me at all times. We'll try and get a picture of it, and it's a great piece. It's been really great seeing it on politicians, seeing it on campaigners, seeing it, you know, and it, it becomes a real great way to channel your 
political thoughts and express them. You left university with fire in your belly and I don't get the sense that any of that has gone away at all, um, which is lovely because, you know, you could sort of, I suppose the stereotype might be slightly that as you get a bit older in life and, and, and more comfortable and settled, you stop putting up such a such a fight. But um, it's very refreshing to see that youth and vigour and passion <laughs> in your work. Well, the I think fight is there. Yeah, great. We don't want to sit, stop that. It's a funny old thing, isn't it? Because you say you're coming up to your 20th anniversary for work and um, it's all still there and everything's your, 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 your motivations and your passions yeah. and your enthusiasm's all still there, which is brilliant, isn't it? So when's your 20th? This Is it this oh, year? We had, it was last year. So last the... year, you had your 20th. Yeah. Great. Good. Well, I look forward to the 30th and the 40th. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I'll invite you to the party, Alex. Yes, please. <laughs> I need a party. We're all we're all fed up with being stuck in our houses and not going out to parties. I, I want to say thank you so much, for being a guest. And um, keep up the good work and enjoy the Isle of Wight. And I'll look forward to, I normally see you at sort of industry events or occasional mm. drinks party at, at, at some sort of, you know, in the House <laughs> of Parliament or something like that, isn't it? We, we, we meet occasionally through work, but hopefully you'll still be coming up to town. Oh, for sure, for and, sure. And you'll be sure that I'll be giving you a shout if we get down to the Isle of oh, Wight. Oh, please do. Lovely. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Alex. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. had real fun making this first series of This Is A Token, but as we draw near the end of season one, there's a couple of things I'd like to ask of you, my kind and patient listener. Firstly, if you enjoyed hearing from my guests and their most treasured pieces of jewellery, it would be brilliant if you could leave a rating or a review, and if you subscribe to the programme too. Oh, and share it with your friends. It makes a real difference, and it'll help other jewellery lovers find us too. And your feedback would be brilliant. It'll help guide what we do in season two. Also, if you have any fun jewellery-related stories, please do get in touch via the website. I'd love to hear from you. You might have a favourite guest to suggest or a theme we haven't covered yet or anything really. It would just be really nice to hear from you. Anyway, as always, a huge thank you for listening. Really looking forward to hearing your suggestions for series two. (laughs) 